bless you too. Can you hear me? There you go. Okay, so uh, More Life, Less Religion is our series. Uh, today we're talking about more trust, less suspicion. So basically about fear. When I was uh, about four and a half years old, I believe, uh, I was shopping at Park Royal with my mom, who happened to be pregnant with my little brother at the time. I believe we were in the department store called Eaton's. Anybody remember it? It was on the south side. And uh, we were waiting to take the elevator up to the second floor, uh, where I think maybe the toys were. And uh, as the elevator doors opened up, two uh, older ladies came, came out of the elevator very slowly, holding, holding each other's arms. Uh, and being all of about three feet tall, I easily scooted under their arms and into the elevator, uh, into this magical moving box with all the fun buttons. Uh, sadly, though, my mom, who was behind, couldn't get past these ladies in time before the doors closed. So the doors closed, and there I am all by myself in this elevator. It wasn't so fun anymore. And then it started to go up, and I started to panic. Uh, it might have been a fun adventure if it weren't for the fact that my, my greatest fear at the time was of getting lost and separated from my parents. Uh, that separation anxiety was the main theme of the only recurring nightmare I had in my whole childhood. Uh, so when it was clear that the elevator was going up, my mother proceeded to run up the stairs, pregnant, remember, uh, to the next level. But unfortunately, the, the elevator took me two floors up to the, uh, the rooftop parking lot. Um, yeah, so the doors opened and I got off. I don't know why, but I did. Uh, and when I looked around, I was in this small, uh, glassed-off room in the middle of a giant, mostly empty parking lot, like a wasteland. Uh, so there was confusion, there was panic, there were tears. Uh, you might even say that I was trapped in a glass case of emotion. Um, sorry for those who don't, aren't Will Ferrell fans. Um, so all seemed lost, especially because the stairs didn't actually go up to that floor, so my mom had no way of coming to rescue me. Uh, but... Everything indeed would be fine. God was with me, and also I knew the magic words, so I was fine. Uh, I banged on the elevator doors with my little tiny fists, and I yelled at the top of my lungs, Open Sesame! <laughs> and as you would expect, doors open. I got on the elevator. It took me straight back down to the first floor, where when the doors opened, my mother was there, very out of breath, having run up and down twice to try to find me and stay ahead of me. Uh, so needless to say, this experience didn't help my fear of separation. Uh, really didn't help. Uh, and in some ways, um, this, this uh, fear of separation is still kind of my most dominant fear in my life. It just plays out in more grown-up ways, I think. Um, some of my most visceral memories of my childhood are, are moments of feeling lost or separated or disconnected. Uh, so... Uh, that's my story, but I know that um, we all live with fears all the time. Uh, we often look at somebody else and think they're so brave or that they don't struggle with fear like we do, but we just have different fears, uh, and they look very different. But we all have them, I believe, uh, and there are usually one or two themes or specific fears that, that kind of dominate our, our, um, our minds that, uh, that are sort of the level underneath many of our, our little phobias, our anxieties, or our, our worries even our behaviors. So uh, we're going to get a chance today, a little later, to explore um, some, some specific uh, fears that you might have. You can uh, get to think about which ones are maybe your most dominant underlying ones. Uh, but this series this month that we're doing is, uh, is a series in which we get to explore the core realities of what it means to be human in this culture. 
Uh, so it's our fears and our desires, and it's our struggle to find and preserve freedom and in dignity as well. So I wanted to ground our experience this month in uh, the book of the Bible, which perhaps most powerfully expresses uh, the human experience. So the book of Psalms. And though the Psalms are um, from a different time and clearly a very different culture, I think we can find ourselves in their words, in these expressions of lament and praise and joy and sadness, uh, in fears and, and longings. So the book of Psalms is, uh, it's been the prayer book of countless generations of people of faith before us. It was the prayer book of Jesus and the, uh, of Jesus himself. Um, Eugene Peterson refers, uh, refers to the book of Psalms, or refers to Psalms as sort of our answers to God, which fits well with what we discussed last week, that while religion is about us trying to get to God, life is, uh, life is about God first coming to us speaking to us, encountering us in whatever it is that we're experiencing. Uh, As Peterson writes, the Psalms are acts of obedience, answering the God who has addressed us. God's word precedes these words. These prayers don't seek God. They respond to the God who seeks us. I also quoted a pastor named Bruxy Cavey last week who said, God has come to us the directional flow is reversed. There's no need for a religious system to get me from here to there because there has come to here. So that is indeed the story of Psalm 34 that we're looking at today. Uh, It expresses David's great joy that God has showed up and rescued him in what was perhaps his most fearful moment. So he's already fleeing from one king, Saul, fearful for his life, and he ends up before another king, a foreign king, Abimelech, who likely also wants to do away with him. But he survives. It's an interesting story, but you should look it up yourself. Don't have time. Uh, But um, David then essentially writes this psalm as a pouring out of his praise and worship and his joy. Uh, And then uh, partway through he says, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. So I wonder, do you find it easy or difficult to trust God with your struggles and your fears? Uh, The thing is that fear is not something uh, we only experience when we're in our most dire moments, when our lives are threatened, or when we're desperate enough to cry out to God for help. For most of us, our experience of fear is much more subtle. So our fears and, and anxieties are, um, are usually our constant companions, maybe, or our unwanted visitors that pop up when something triggers them. Uh, and things get really tough for us uh, when we begin to fear fear itself or when our fears kind of spiral in on themselves and, and take this downward turn. Uh, we, we do live in an anxious culture in a time marked by a great deal of fear about the state of the world and confusion about how to live well in it. Some of you will know well the work of Dr. Brene Brown, uh, a researcher in the areas of vulnerability and shame. She has uh, one of the top five TED Talks ever. Um, She has a book called Daring Greatly, and in it she writes, I'd say that the one thing we have in common is that we're sick of feeling afraid. We all want to be brave. And she traces some of our fears to the culture of scarcity that we live in. 
one of the things she does is to ask people to complete the following statement that you'll see on the screen here. It's never blank enough, uh, or I never blank enough. So I wanted you to call out some things. How would you complete that sentence? Never good enough? Is that what you said? Great. Yeah, that one comes to mind for me. Wh what else? Never... Pardon? <laughs> never make? Oh, okay. Thank you. What else? Clean? <laughs> never clean enough. Yes. Uh, never rested enough for all you parents of young children out there. Um, what else? Never organized enough. Awesome. So um, she calls, uh, she talks about scarcity. She calls this the never enough problem. And uh, when, we, when we're steeped in a culture of scarcity, certain things begin to happen, I think. Uh, we begin to see everything as a competition for limited resources. Um, people can even cease to become our neighbors and become competitors in the race for education, for jobs, for what's left of affordable housing. We find it harder to trust others and their motives. And institutions and communities cease to be places of mutual service and engagement. Uh, they maybe become places that provide services to alleviate our burden of living with our perceived scarcity of time and energy and resources. And if we buy into this scarcity mindset, we become suspicious of anything outside of ourselves that we can't control. Uh, we build walls to protect ourselves. Uh, we buffer ourselves from anything that might threaten our freedom to have or to be what we want. In short, we become averse to risk and averse to vulnerability. I think most tragically, we can easily project our suspicions onto God, perhaps even seeing God as a competitor or a threat to our freedom and dignity instead of the source of our freedom and dignity. In fact, I would argue that many of the common distortions in our understanding of God stem from these kind of projections. So why does any of this matter? I think uh, it matters deeply because our understanding of who God, sh God is shapes our understanding and experience of who we are. It shapes our lives and it shapes our ability to relate to God. Uh, there's a new song out by um, a 22-year-old Canadian singer who's uh, popular these days called Alessia Cara. Uh, it's called Seven Days, and it's essentially uh, a prayer to God who she calls Mr. Man Upstairs. And her song imagines God curled up on his couch, remote in hand, essentially watching us like he's watching a reality TV show. And she sings, Oh, Mr. Man Upstairs, I know you're tuning in up there, way up there. Would you care to answer my question? And what struck me when I first heard this song uh, is this image of God as indifferent. So is that the God you believe in, an indifferent God? Uh, another song about God that was popular a number of years ago was Joan Osborne's uh, What If God Was One of Us. You might remember it. Uh, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. So this is an image of God who's not just indifferent, but, but also powerless to have any impact on our lives. Uh, a third distorted image of God that I was reminded of this recent season uh, is the Santa Claus God. 
you all, I think you'll all have a sense of this. This is a God who's all-knowing and all-seeing. He sees us when we're sleeping. He knows when we're awake. Um, but he's basically just watching us to see if we're naughty or nice. Uh, and he's motivating us to be good by threatening us with no presents or coal in our stocking if we're bad. So these are just some of the distorted images of God that exist in our culture uh, and that we've projected onto God. And if we're honest, there's sometimes the images of God that we carry around in our own psyches and our own minds and hearts. Um, these are gods, I believe, of scarcity. They have very little to offer us. We can't really relate to them. We won't receive life from them, that's for sure. And we are right to be suspicious of them. So the good news is uh, the story of the Bible, Psalms 34, that we're looking at today, expresses uh, a different image of God. Psalm 34 expresses David's experience, his real-life experience of a very, very different God. It's a God who can be trusted. It's a God who answers, a God who is able, a God who delivers and defends, a God who is good all the time. And a God who brings joy in life and provides all that we need. Not a God of scarcity, but a God of abundance. So we're going to pray this psalm together a little later. But I, I wanted you to allow me to read it to you now. You can just settle in, close your eyes if you like. Uh, and I'd love you to listen to, to who this God is as portrayed by David. Uh, and you can even listen to how... Uh, how this psalm, how God's words here speak to you in your own experience of fear, of worry, of anxiety. This is Psalm 34, 1 to 10. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly sing his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So do you need to be suspicious of this God? Can you trust this God? Perhaps you're not sure at this particular point in your life or in your week. Uh, but I think that's exactly why we need to pray uh, these psalms and why we need to remember the stories of those who have gone before us. It's why we need to share our own stories here uh, to have faith for others when they are having trouble having faith or hope. Because uh, life is hard, as you all know. It's downright terrifying at times. But we do have one another. We have our story. We have a God 
of abundance, Father, Son, and Spirit, who is for us and with us and in us. Amen. So uh, before we have a chance to, to have some interaction time together, I wanted to, um, to uh, help you uh, see some of the core fears or some of the fears that we, we know are very um, deep down in human beings. And you may identify with, with one or, or more, more than others. Um, so Kenton has generously put together some, some really nice slides for us with some of these key fears on them. Thank you, Kenton. Um, so these are taken from, from the literature on the Enneagram, which I mentioned last week. It's a, a personality framework. Some people love, some people hate. Uh, the thing that I love about it is the way that it names and gives language to this, these core realities of, of human existence, especially in the areas of fears and desires. Um, so uh, we can put those up on the screen, uh, and we'll kind of walk through those. So these, I think, are the fears that are underneath all of our other fears and worries often. Um, it's really helpful to name them, to become aware of them, to understand the ways they shape our experiences. So we've got fear of being bad, defective, or corrupt. Um, we feel like we must act in a virtuous way to kind of prove this fear wrong. Uh, we want to be good. We want to meet expectations. Um, yeah, deep down, we just want to be good. Um, number two is fear of being unloved. I think we could all say at some level that that's, that's a fear we have. Um, but this is really about your biggest underlying fear being that there's nothing inherently lovable about you. And so you, you need to, to show your love to others and, and serve them and, and uh, care for them to sort of justify your own experience and your own sense of self. Um, number three, your fear of being worthless or without inherent value. Uh, this, this often plays out with um, feeling like you're undesirable outside of your achievements. So often people who struggle with this have a real drive to achieve, to succeed, to, to perform. Um, number four, fear of being without identity or significance. So this is a fear of being unworthy or unlovable if, if you were just average. You kind of need to stand out uh, to prove your identity, to be unique maybe. I see this in my daughter. She, she takes great joy in being weird. That's a big compliment. Don't call her a weirdo, but if you say she's weird, she's like, thank you. Um, number five, fear of being helpless, incompetent, or incapable. Uh, these people are often driven to, to seek knowledge and understanding, to master as much as they can so that they can prove they're competent and capable of dealing with things. Um, number f uh, yes, number six, right? Fear of being without support and guidance. Uh, this is this is a common common theme for us for for people. Um, it's a it's a belief that you're maybe not capable of surviving on your own, so you much must seek out lots of support and and guidance and direction from others to avoid isolation. You fear maybe that everything is going to go wrong if you don't have what you need. Um, number seven, well, just about that, I would say uh, I think a lot of the fear that's that's in the world that's, that politicians use, that others, that advertisers use, really plays on that on that fear as well. Uh, number seven, fear of being trapped in deprivation and pain. This one could be confusing, but these are often the people who are who are always seeking after the next 
great thing, the next uh, joyful experience. Um, they wouldn't want to get stuck in just a mundane reality. Uh, number eight, fear of being harmed, controlled, and violated. So these people um, really fear uh, rejection. Um, it's hard to trust, maybe. They're almost looking for things to, um, to prove that, that people aren't with them and for them. Um, yeah, don't like to feel at the mercy of others. Uh, again, I say pe these people, but I don't mean it that way. Uh, I don't, I don't want to type anybody. Um, I think these are just descriptions of fears that, that maybe you identify with more or less um, or at different times. So number nine, uh, this was one I identify most, and you'll, you'll hear some echoes of my early story. Fear of being separated, disconnected or not connected, and fragmented. Um, so it is the fear of, of loss, of being lost, of, of being separated from, from loved ones and connection. Um, but for me, as an adult, it plays out a lot more in the fragmentation of things not being in sync or things being not making sense and coming together. Uh, that really gets to me and um, plays out in, uh, in anxiety and stress and, and even anger at times. Um, so deep down, I feel like I just want everything to be in harmony and be at peace. Uh, yeah, makes for interesting marriage when I'm that way and, and Eric is a different way. Um, but this stuff has been helpful for us to, to understand as well in our relationship. Um, so these are, these are some, of the, some of the core fears, some of the underlying fears that we, we have. Maybe you identify with one especially or a few or none at all and you have something else to add. Um, so for the next uh, 10 minutes or so, we're going we're gonna to get up and um, move around or you can stay where you are and just reflect quietly if you'd like, if you prefer. But I'd love to see us... Um, having conversations of, of all the topics this month I think fear is is the one I'm most interested in us learning from each other across generations I think the fears of uh, a teenager and an older person uh, are probably quite different on the surface but we might find deep down there's some similarities so um, we've got some Timbits I think Isa has them uh, so the youth are gonna have them at the back if you if you want a Timbit come and have a conversation with a teenager and then they'll give you one sound good uh, and teenagers, if you want a second Timbit, have a conversation with someone older than you, and then you get a, another one. Um, so I've got some, some questions to throw up on the screen. So hopefully you can hold some of those in your mind, the ones that maybe stuck with you. And uh, we have some questions we'll put up on the screen. So... Um, can think about sharing just one or more of your dominant fears with somebody. Uh, maybe there's a story like mine, a, a story from your childhood that kind of illustrates how this fear played out in your life, in your early life, um, or a current experience as well. Um, and then how have you experienced God in the midst of your fears? What, what does that look like? How has God shown up or not shown up? Um, what do you feel God says to you in the midst of those, those fears? Or what do you think God might want to say to you today? Uh, and then, uh, because fear is not, not just a negative topic, I think fear is, you know, evolutionary, in an evolutionary sense, is, is a helpful thing for us. It's a protection and survival thing for us. Um, but I also think it can, uh, our fears can actually motivate us towards good and um, noble things, positive things. So how have your particular fears motivated you towards something positive, uh, being something positive or doing something positive? Um, Fears that they almost have a flip, a flip side that's positive. It's almost like two sides of a coin. Um, 
So let's take some time, about 10 minutes, and uh, yeah, feel free to sit or to get up and, and move around. There's coffee, I believe, at the back and Timbits. So awesome. We'll see you back in 10 minutes, and we'll have a chance to, to, uh, to share some reflections. We'll take the mic around, and if you have something to, to share about um, this or anything before, that would be great. Thanks. All right, so I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come on up for our last song. Uh, and before we do that, um, let's stand together and, and sing, not sing, let's pray this together, speak this together. Um, I know for some of us it's sort of a weird experience, kind of feels like chanting something. It feels a little too religious in some ways to do this, but, um, but there's something about this. This is our story. This is our, um, our community's expression, our... Uh, and so let's let's do it together. There's no other way to do it together. So let's stand uh, and we'll read this psalm, pray this psalm together uh, as we head towards the close of our service. Um, we're gonna we're gonna skip the uh, feedback hearing from you unfortunately today, uh, but feel free to continue your conversations after we wrap up here. Okay, here we go. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly sing his praises. opening yourselves up to one another today. I want to encourage you to continue to have those conversations with each other, with God. If you want a way to remind yourself who God is and the freedom and the freedom from fear that he offers us, I recommend to you, this isn't homework exactly, but it is an exhortation. Psalm 34 in the message is a tremendous piece of scripture. And so I'm going to send you off with a bit of Psalm 34 today. But if you want to soak in God's word and soak in uh, the freedom from fear, then look at Psalm 34 this week. Take one verse out of the message version and make that your, uh, your, your consolation. So, Calf Church, hear this blessing from Psalm 34. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. Yahweh met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. So, Cap Church, would you experience God this week meeting you more than halfway in all the places where you feel fear? But you know the freedom that God longs to give you as you rest in his love. Amen? Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Would you extend to one another a sign of Christ's peace as you leave this place today?